marriage uh, enrichment. I was forgetting the word. Our marriage enrichment, we have three spots left for that. So if you're a couple in here, whether you're newly married or you've been married forever, this is a great opportunity for you to get connected to other people, to invest into your marriage. So we encourage you to sign up on the Flag Church app or connect with one of the Flag pastors um, so we can get you plugged into that before we get that started here very soon. We're excited for it, but we're most excited to hear the word this morning. Amen? Amen. As Pastor Shelby comes to deliver the word, would you guys give it up for him? It's going to be an awesome, awesome Sunday. Amen. Hey, good morning, Flag Church. How are you guys doing today? I'm going to try that one more time. Good morning, Flag Church. How are we doing today? Listen, I'm excited. Sunday mornings, I'm going to start my timer here. Sunday mornings, I do a pretty good job of um, putting my phone on, do not disturb. Uh, but this morning, I forgot, and I was disturbed because a buddy of mine texted me and said, today we are all Ravens fans. <laughs> if you guys know, I'm a, I'm a big Chiefs fan, so that didn't sit very well with me. Uh, but listen, I'm excited. All jokes aside, I'm excited this morning to get into the Word. Because uh, first things first, um, we're here about Jesus. Amen. We're here about Jesus. And so I want to welcome Fort Scott. Um, and Fort Scott has been, there's been some cool things happening out in Fort Scott. Um, so I'm excited. Hey, real quick, man, the worship team, didn't they just like crush it this morning? Like, they sounded great. Um, I, I, love, I love our team. They're great people, great hearts to worship God. And so I'm excited. So we're in this series called Discipline to Freedom, where we have explored different spiritual disciplines and how they lead to freedom in our lives. And this last week, Pastor Anthony talked about fasting and prayer. That when you fast, you are denying what you normally do in your physical body so that you can open your spirit and hear more clearly from God. And that was a, that's a great word. That was a great word Pastor Anthony brought last week. Um, how many of you guys did the devotion with us last week? Yeah, quite a few of you. I would encourage you guys to do those. Man, it, it was an incredible, um, incredible journey. It's cool to see the church coming together and, and commenting on this. Um, and hopefully you were able to utilize the notes that we had for you outside after service. I would encourage you to make fasting a spiritual discipline. I'm not saying go and fast every day, but I would encourage you to add it to your spiritual disciplines. And I would encourage you also to make prayer a daily habit. A daily habit. Not just every once in a while I'm going to pray, but every day we should come before the Lord. Thanking him for who he is, for what he's done for us. And I just want to remind you that if you've missed a message, that you can go back and listen to it on our church app or on our church website. Otherwise, we have another reading plan. Um, I'm going to talk about worship today, so I think I'm qualified maybe. So that, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I'm talking about worship today, so I'm super excited for this reading plan. Um, if you would join us, if you have your phone, you can QR code. It's also on the app. Um, but if you want to join us in this reading plan about worship, um, we're going to talk about worship for a couple of days and so I'm going to pray real quick, and then we're going to dive deep. Lord, thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy. Thank you just for another day, Lord, that we get to worship you, that we get to come in your house freely, Lord, that um, I'm just excited for your word this morning, Lord, uh, that you are, are so good. You're so holy. You're so worthy of our praise. Lord, let me get out of the way and let your Holy Spirit move this morning. Let your spirit speak this morning. God, thank you for this church. Thank you for Fort Scott. Lord, I thank you for our staff. Thank you for the people in this congregation that just love you, are here to serve you. And we pray these things in your name. 
Amen. What is our deepest need in this life? It's a question. When I kept talking about worship, I kept asking myself. I felt like God was prompting me like, to answer the question, what is our deepest need in this life? And I believe it's to know God and respond worthily to his love. It's to know God and respond worthily to his love. And this response of the human heart to God is worship. When we respond out of God's love for us as we draw close to him, it's, it's worship. Powell says it like this, at the heart of worship lies the fundamental human need, the need for God. And our deepest need in life is God, and out of that deepest need, that deepest desire, comes worship. I think so often we get worship confused, though, because I think so often when, when we say the word worship, everybody thinks this. Everybody thinks, well, it's the worship team. We're singing. That's worship. Guys, that's, that's just the facet of worship. That's just the part. That's just a glimpse of all that worship is. And so we're going to dive into that today, but I think first things first, we need to come up with some kind of working definition. Um, Dutch humanist, I don't know how to say his name, but his last name is Aramis, once said, every definition is dangerous. And I think this may explain that when we try to define a word simply and precisely, we often end up missing significant aspects of the words we're defining. Attempts at explaining worship as love or intimacy or relationship, they all say something true but end up leaving out more than they contribute to our understanding of worship. But I think in spite of all of that, we should try this morning to define worship. So if you're taking notes, I have a super long definition, um, so you're going to have to keep up. No, I'm going to shorten it after that, but, so just take the shortened definition. But the long definition is this, and it's by William Temple. He says, worship is the submission of all of our nature to God. It is the quickening of conscience by his holiness the nourishment of mind with his truth, the purifying of imagination by his beauty, the opening of the heart to his love, the surrender of will to his purpose, and all of this gathered up in adoration, the most selfless emotion of which our nature is capable, and therefore the chief remedy for that self-centeredness, which is our original sin and the source of all actual sin. That is a very long definition. Like, there's no way I can remember that. So, and, and, and maybe that definition doesn't even do it justice. To shorten it, though, I stole this from uh, Dallas Willard. He says, worship is breaking into the Shekinah of God. And Shekinah is the glory or the radiance of God dwelling in the midst of his people. It denotes the immediate presence of God as opposed to a God who is abstract or aloof. Shekinah really means the presence of God. So maybe better yet, to define worship, we could say that worship is being invaded by the presence of God. That is what worship is. It's not just singing, right? It's not just, uh, you know, getting up and, and leading songs. It's, it's so much more. It's that time you spend in prayer. It's any time that we're invaded by God's presence. That's worship. But worship is the discipline. If you want to wake up or lay down to sleep and our focus be on God, 
we must discipline the mind and the heart to long for God 24-7. It doesn't just happen, right? I don't just wake up one day and say, God, all day I'm going to spend, I'm going to talk to you. That's not how it works. It's a discipline. It's something we work at. It says that we have to draw near to God, and then God draws near to us, right? So that we have to have an action. We have to do something. When we learn this discipline, it provides freedom from self-love. Self-love is the opposite of worship. If we worship ourselves, then we're, we're missing. We're missing out on a lot. So if you take a note this morning, I got like six or seven points. N- number one is the object of our worship. Jesus answered for all time the question of whom we are to worship. And that person, like I said, is not self. We're never called to put ourselves on the same level as God. In fact, we as a people need to learn to separate ourselves from unnecessary and restless thoughts which grow out of self-love. Self-love can never be the object of our worship. It can never be the object of our worship. The two greatest commandments, God said to love God, right, and then to love your neighbor. He didn't put part three. He didn't say part three, love self. That's the opposite of what God was trying to get at, what he was trying to help us understand about worship. If you have your Bibles, Matthew 4.10, if you want to turn there real quick, it's going to be on the screen as well. Matthew 4.10 says this, Jesus tells us that you shall worship the Lord your God, and only him shall you serve. You shall worship the Lord your God, and only him shall you serve. You see, the one true God is the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and God makes it clear that he hates idolatry. He hates it. Exodus 23 says, there should be no other gods before him. And idolatry isn't just bowing before physical objects of adoration. A.W. Tozer says it like this, the essence of idolatry is the entertainment of thoughts about God that are unworthy to him. Thoughts about God that are unworthy to him. You see, to think rightly about God is to have everything right. But to think wrongly about God is to have everything wrong. We desperately as a people need to see who God is, to read about his self-disclosure to his ancient people, Israel, to meditate on his attributes, to gaze upon the revelation of of his nature in Jesus Christ. We worship God for who he is, and we thank him for what he has done in our lives. The object of our worship, we got to keep the main God the main thing. That worship is only due to him and him alone. Maybe you've seen a shift in some of the worship songs we've been picking, and I think God has been dealing in, in, in my life with the same idea that worship is to him. Right, when we come in here, it, it's not to anybody else. It's not for anybody else. Right, we don't, when we step on the platform, we don't step on here to entertain. That's not our job. If you want that, go to a concert. Right, that's not our job. Our job is to lead people into the presence of God. That's what we're here for. That's what I want for us on a Sunday morning, is that, people, that we would be a people so on fire for the Lord that, oh, man, we hate to leave. Uh, who cares about the Chiefs game? 
why do we hate to leave? Because we're in the presence. We're sitting at the, in the throne room. We're sitting at the feet of Jesus. That's where we want to be. And our God is actively seeking worshipers. He's actively seeking worshipers. In John 4, 23, Jesus declared, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Look at this. It says, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. It is God who seeks. It's, it's him who draws, who persuades. It's worship is, is human response to divine initiative. In Genesis, God walked in the garden seeking out Adam and Eve. In the crucifixion, Jesus drew men and women to himself. Scripture has example after example of God's efforts to initiate, restore, and maintain fellowship with his children. And worship is our responding to the overtures of love from the heart of the Father. Worship, worship must have priority in our lives. It must have priority in our lives. Mark 1230 reminds us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and strength. And strength. And therefore, the divine priority is worship first and serve second. Worship first and serve second. You see, serving flows out of worship. Serving as a substitution for worship is idolatry. If we just come in here and we say, well, you know, this pastor asked me to serve, and so I'm serving because I'm being obedient or, or I can't say no or whatever. Now, listen, serving doesn't come out of that. Serving comes out of worship. It's, God, I, I've been transformed by you. I want to draw near to you. So out of that comes this overflow of the heart. And, and everything that I want to do then is worship God. Everything that I want in my life is to be near to God. It's to sit in his presence 24-7. Activity can become the enemy of adoration. We get so busy in life that we forget about God. I'm going to be honest. It's true. Right? Just check your phone time. Six hours on Facebook for the day. Don't tell me God was in Facebook. Because on the Facebook that I read, he ain't. Is people arguing? Is people posting about random things? Listen, that's not devotion time. Listen, we can use all the right techniques and methods. We can, we can have the best liturgy, but we have not worshipped the Lord until spirit touches spirit. Until God touches and frees our spirit, we cannot enter the realm of true worship. Singing. Praying, fasting, praising, all may lead to worship. But worship truly is more than any of them. Our spirit must be ignited by divine fire. Scripture tells us that in order for God to draw near, we have to be the ones to draw near. So I got some challenging questions this morning. Are you drawing near? Are you drawing near to God? Are you taking time away to retreat to the secret place? Are you yearning for more of God? Are you yearning for more?
In the Bible, people would gather for worship with this holy expectancy. They would prepare for worship. That's my next point, preparing for worship. They believed that when they, would, uh, when they gathered, they would hear the, the call Yahweh, which is the voice of God. They believed every time they gathered, they would hear from God. And that brings up another question. When, when we gather in here, do you expect to hear from God? Or is your expectation that God's going to do something? Or is your expectation, well, I'm just here because i got to check the box this week. That's not worship. When Moses entered the tabernacle, he knew he was entering the presence of God. And the same can be said about the early church. It was not surprising that to them that the building in which they met shook with the power of God. Man, it shook with the power of God. It happened before in Acts 2.2 and in Acts 4.31. So the question we must answer is, how do we as a people cultivate this holy expectancy? And the answer is it begins with us. It begins in us. That while we live out the demands of our days, we enter into the Shekinah of the the heart. We become filled with inward worship and adoration to our God. That when we work, when we play, when we eat, when we sleep, we're listening to the great teacher. That we're not disconnected. Like when we go to work every day, we should still be connected to the great teacher. We should still be hearing his voice, sitting at his feet. Brother Lawrence, who we recently did a devotion on his book a couple weeks ago, uh, He wrote this book called The Practice of the Presence of God. If you haven't read it, I would highly encourage you. Um, But Brother Lawrence knew this reality because he experienced God in the kitchen. He knew he would experience God in the church. So when you experience God at your workplace, you know that you can experience God in the church. Because when you're devoted to, to listening to God, when you're devoted to spending time in his word and in prayer, when you get here on Sunday, this joy just, just comes up and overflows. And when you get here, you're excited to come in here and worship the King of Kings. He wrote, I cannot imagine how religious people can live satisfied without the practice of the presence of God. Man, that, that doesn't strike some, some chords today. I know when I read that book, I was like, oh my goodness. That's so true. How can I, as, as someone who, who claims to, to, to walk with the Lord, yet not practice this presence, this 24-7, God, I only want you. Because I'm just as guilty. I get so distracted, caught up in all of these different things. And a whole day goes by, and I wonder where God was at. That's my own fault. God was there the whole time. I just wasn't ready to listen. I wasn't ready to spend time. I was too busy. Those who have tasted the presence of God in daily experience can never again be satisfied without it. As he were created in his image as worshipers, made to worship God. And sin, sin distorted mankind's worship. And now we're constantly worshiping, but are often our worship is misdirected. Everybody worships something. 
Is your worship directed to God or is it to something else? Are you practicing the presence of God daily throughout all activities or just on Sundays? There's a song by uh, SEU Worship that I listen to quite often. It's called Monday Morning Faith. And the whole idea is that um, hell's not scared of a Sunday faith if it only leads to empty praise. Basically, if Sunday morning is the only God time you get throughout the week, you're missing out. That this can't be it. God wants so much more for you. He longs to be in relationship with you. So here's a practical idea. Live throughout the week as an heir to the kingdom. Live throughout the week as an heir to the kingdom, listening to his voice, obeying his word. This is how we prepare for worshiping together. It starts with practicing the presence of God in your own life. So my challenge, would you commit this week to practicing the presence? I'm not saying all of us are going to leave this place and spend six hours of, of prayer a day. Maybe some of us will. But what I'm saying is, would you stay in, in constant connection with the Father? Would you let his presence invade your very being? If God is here in our services, which he is, then miracles should be expected and, and occur in worship. That healing, both inwardly and outwardly, should be the rule, not the exception. Listen, worship is considered a spiritual discipline because it is an ordered way of acting and living that sets us before God so that he can transform us. And there's, there's avenues into worship. And that's what we're going to talk about for the next few minutes, that the first avenue into worship is that worship is to still all human-initiated activity. That worship is a lifestyle. It is something that permeates the daily fabric of our lives. And we are to live in this perpetual inward listening silence so that our words and actions have their source in God. You know what I mean? So, if, if we're doing that, you know how hard it is to snap at somebody when all that we are is focused on God? To put this another way, the first avenue is to always be connected to the source of life. Francis Finelone said this, Happy the soul which by a sincere self-renunciation holds itself ceaselessly in the hands of its creator ready to do everything which he wishes, which never stops saying to itself a hundred times a day, Lord, what wouldest thou that I should do? To put it in modern English, Lord, what do you want me to do? You see, when we sit under Jesus' teachings, we see how it is possible to have everything in our lives rooted in God. When we sit under his Tutelage, we see how it's possible to have everything rooted in God. We begin to wake up in the morning praising God before we do anything else. 
we start to become sensitive to the spirit. And that maybe when we go to Walmart or, or wherever you shop, maybe, just maybe, you'll listen to God for a second. And maybe he'll direct you to somebody in that store that needs to hear about God. But instead, we get so wrapped up in ourselves that we're not practicing the presence of God. And so what happens is we go and we just think we're about our own business. Are we about our own business or are we about God's business? That's what I'm asking this morning. This is worship. It's to be about God's business 24-7. And praise. Of course, i got to talk about praise. I'm talking about singing for a second. Praise brings us into worship. The Psalms are the literature of worship. And their, and their most prominent feature is praise. And we see it all the time when you read the Psalms. It says, praise the Lord. And Scripture urges us. In Hebrews 13, 15, it says, Through him, then let us continually offer up sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. That when we come together and we sing praises, we are to present our bodies to God in worship, in a posture consistent with the inner spirit. That means standing, clapping, dancing, lifting the hands, lifted the head. Our posture is consistent with the spirit of praise. It's found in scripture. Hear me this morning. To stand still, looking like you don't want to be here, is inappropriate for praise. To stand still looking like you don't want to be here is inappropriate for praise. Here's the God of the universe who who deserves all that we are, and yet sometimes we come in, and I've been guilty of it. I come in, and I'm like, I'm not in a good mood, so I'm just going to stand here, right, and show show that. What are you you doing? this This is for God. Everything that we do here is for God. Does does he not deserve our full attention? Does he not deserve our full heart? This is the God that we submit. It's the God of the universe. And he's worthy of praise. So I get it. We're quick to object to this teaching. But scripture, it's clear that God wants wholehearted worship. God wants wholehearted worship. Again, it goes back to our daily walk with God. Are you practicing the presence of God? For practicing the presence is true worship. Would you guys stand? I have a couple final thoughts. If worship does not change us, it has not been worship. If worship does not change us, it has not been worship. Listen, to stand before the Holy One is to change. You can't come to God and not change. It doesn't work. If you are spending time with God, He's going to work on you. And so worship is to change. When you're spending daily time with God and truly sitting still in his presence, you can't help, you can't help but be changed. You can't help but start to look more and more like Christ. The problem is this, you have to actually sit in his presence. 
You have to sit in his presence. You must be unhurried in his presence. That is countercultural to the world. And how often we just hurry through a devotion time. I'm reading like a thousand words per minute. Like, God, I'm just trying to get this done. No, no, no. You have to be unhurried in his presence to linger in his presence. To come and sit. And if worship does not propel us into greater, greater obedience, it has not been worship. It begins with holy expectancy and it ends in holy obedience. Worship enables us to hear God's call to service. It enables us to say, here I am, Lord, send me. A.W. Tozer, if you can't tell, I love Tozer, said, I can safely say on the authority of all that is revealed in the word of God, that any man or woman on this earth who is bored or turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. That's tough. If we're bored or turned off by worship, we're not ready for heaven. Pastor Eli said it earlier. This is just a glimpse of what we get to do in heaven. To join in the chorus, to sing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Listen, so today, we have another opportunity to enter into corporate worship through singing. But you get to make the decision yourself. I can't force you to do anything. What kind of a worshiper will you be? What kind of worshiper will you be? Will you be the person who goes through life and never worships with their whole heart? Or will you be the one who gives all that you are to God? This morning, you get an opportunity to say, God, here I am. I'm yours. Everything I have is yours. Lay it all at the foot of the cross. I'm not saying the Christian walk is easy. I, that was never promised in Scripture. But what's, what's promised is that God joins us. His Spirit joins us as we walk this life. And we give praise to the King of Kings. So I'm going to pray. And then the worship team is going to lead us. God, thank you. Lord, thank you for a presence that, that invades us. That's so tangible, God, that, that we can see where you've moved. We can feel where you've moved. Lord, thank you for life change. Thank you for salvation. such a good God, worthy of all that we are, worthy of all of our praise. So this morning, Lord, you see your people in this room. You know where they're at. God, would you just draw a little bit closer? Draw a little bit closer to your people this morning. Wrap them in your embrace. Remind them that you see them, that you're here for them, that you know them, Lord Jesus. Lord, and if there's anyone in here that does not know you, that in this moment as they give their lives to you, would you open their eyes, open their hearts to receive what you have for them. You're such a good God, such a holy God. 
thank you for your goodness. We pray this in your name.